If you've got your Bibles, you can go ahead and pull those out, and we're going to go to Proverbs chapter 2 today. And uh, we're continuing this series on search patterns in our life and ways that we pattern our life and things that we go after in our life that will define us and then determine where we end up in life. And uh, last year we looked, or last year, last week we looked at uh, authenticity and seeking and pursuing authenticity pattern in our life and understanding the reality that, that God knows everything about me, right? If you remember last week, we said that God knew everything about us. And uh, maybe that's a little scary when we first think about it, but there's, there's comfort in that as well, that, that there's nothing hidden from God. And then we reminded ourselves that we can have this continual connection with God, that God will never abandon us. No matter where we go, what we do, God is there, which then shows his unconditional acceptance of us that God created you and he loved you. And I want to remind us of that because as we pursue this look at wisdom today and how we have a pattern of searching for wisdom in our life, we're not talking about the wisdom of man. We're not talking about getting better advice from somebody, finding you know another great leadership lesson to live by. We're actually saying as we live authentic lives before God, then how do we take the wisdom and the truth of God and allow it, how do we find it, and how do we allow it to play out in our lives? That's part of the joy of following God, is that we get all of God. Just like he knows all of us, all of him is available to us as well. And so we have this, this idea that we can tap into the wisdom of God. And so that's what I want us to do this morning. We want to begin this pattern of looking at how do we connect and understand the wisdom of God. But I think one of the best ways sometimes we can start to answer a question is not by saying what wisdom is, but it's kind of knocking down some of the misconceptions about what wisdom is to start with. So I want to knock down a couple of thoughts that sometimes when we think wisdom, we equate it to. And the first one is this. What is wisdom? First, wisdom is not behavior. It's not just simply better behavior. Uh, If you ask PJ and Natalie, I tell them all the time, they're going out for the evening or they're going out with friends or spend the night up somewhere, and I'll say, be sure to what, PJ? Make what? Wise choices. Make wise choices. And, and what I'm saying is, you know, as you make wise choices, I want you to behave a certain way. I've told you what's right and what's wrong. You know what's right and what's wrong in this situation. And so act off of those. And even though I use that word wise there, that's truly not wisdom. It's not just behavior. But we think of it often in terms of behavior. When we try to make right choices, we try to do what's best for our lives and our family. And when we don't make right choices, we often punish ourselves and we act, you know, the wisdom is simply behavior modification is what we equate wisdom to. If you would just know better, how many of you ever said that to kids? Don't you know better? Don't you? I remember my mom saying that to me pretty often. You know better than to do this. And, you know, but we, I just, you would learn to modify your behavior. And we can actually modify behavior without wisdom, right? We, we, we can all do that. We can learn to act a certain way in certain places when around certain people act this way around other people act this way. And we modify our behavior. But that's not, that's not wisdom. You know, where God really taught me this was when I became a parent, uh, because, you know, I, growing up as, as a, when you're a child and you're the one being parented, you're, trying to always think, my parents are just trying to tell me what to do. They're trying to make me go this way, tell me to do this and do that. They're, you know, they don't understand me. I want, I want to make my own path. I want to do all this kind of stuff. And, 
you know, as you get older and you start parenting, you realize how dumb you were sometimes thinking that growing up. But I, when I remember one of the times PJ was a little older and he had done something uh, that was not a wise choice. And I was just angry. And like, I was like coming home and I'm like, I'm just going to punish that kid to teach him a lesson. And it was like, God spoke to me and he's like, Patrick, I did not put you in PJ's life to punish him. You're not the punisher. I put you in his life to parent him, to teach him and to grow him in wisdom and understanding. And there's a difference. I, I can cause him to act a certain way. I can cause you to act a certain way. I can cause other people to act a certain way by how I respond, but that's not wisdom. That's just behavior modification. That's not what wisdom is. Second thing is this. Wisdom is not knowledge. It's not just knowledge. If I just knew more things, if I just read more books, if I just had more experience, then I would always know what to do, what to say, and how to respond. Don't, don't we think that way sometimes? Like, man, I just, I just don't know enough. I, I get in a conversation with somebody, and man, they just overwhelm me with their knowledge, and I feel like a dumb person, and I'm I don't have any wisdom. How often do we know what to do, though, in our lives? We have the knowledge, but we still choose to do something different, right? I mean, if if wisdom was just knowledge, if it was just knowing it, then why don't we always use that knowledge to the best of our ability? Why don't we always act and make wise choices? Why do we sometimes let our emotions get the best of us or let the circumstances cause us to act a certain way? Because knowledge is not wisdom. And here's the folly when we begin to think this way, when we begin to think that wisdom is only knowledge and behavior. Here's what we do. We find somebody that we want to be like, and what do we begin to do? We begin to mimic their behaviors. So this person, I, I want to be a parent like this person, or I want to be a Christian like this person. I want This person in my job, that they've accomplished what I want to accomplish. So I'm going to look at their lives and just see what they do And I'm just going to mimic their behaviors. And if I mimic their behaviors, then I will get the same results as them. And here's the problem with that. When we do that, we focus on the fruits of somebody's life without actually looking at the roots of their life. And the roots of their life is where the fruits are produced from. And we just try to we try to mimic behavior and act like some. You've been watching the Olympics. I mean, I love, you know, I. I look at those people and I'm like, I want to be like you. I want to be, I mean, I want to do that. And I, I found this, you know, if you're like, I haven't been swimming this week, but if I could swim, I mean, like I'm inspired to go swimming this week, like watching Katie Ledecky and Michael Phelps and those guys. I'm like, I'm tall. I'm as tall as Michael Phelps. Like I, I could do that. Right. And uh, it kind of, I saw this video this week that made me think about this. So watch this right quick. I mean, he, he thinks he's Michael Phelps, right? I mean, I, I, if I'm just doing the motions, if I'm going through it, but we don't realize, I mean, it's not just what he does on that platform. It's the fact I looked it up, his training routine. It says, you know, we, we want to be like Phelps, but don't just do the motion. Phelps swims a minimum of 80,000 meters a week, which is nearly 50 miles every week. 
And he trains, he practices twice a day, five to six hours a day, at least six days a week. All right? That's the roots that allow him to have the fruits of 20-plus gold medals, right? I mean, he, he, design, he puts it, that's the wisdom. It's not just knowing how to swim. It's not just showing up to swim. He has wisdom. He has a deep, deep understanding of what he's doing. And so when we think about wisdom, I really want to boil it down. And I know it kind of rhymes, and it's a cool way to remember. We can't focus on the fruits. We have to focus on the roots and putting our roots down deep. And so what I want us to do for our next time together, next few minutes, is to really look at how do we do this. And what I love about our God is this. Is he, he's clear on this subject. He lays it out for us. This is not some like, you know, I've got to go, you know, find 15 passages of scripture and piece this word and that word. He shows us how to pursue wisdom. And so if you've got your Bibles, Proverbs 2 is where we're going to be. And we're going to look at the 11, first 11 verses in there. But uh, as we do that, I want to start with just the four, first four verses of learning how do we discover wisdom. So Proverbs 2, 1 through 4 says this, my son. If you receive my words and treasure up my commands with you, making your ear attentive to wisdom and inclining your heart to understanding, yes, if you will call out for insight and raise your voice for understanding, if you will seek it like silver and search for it like hidden treasure. I want you to understand first, wisdom is not something that we happen to stumble upon. It isn't even something that we just learned. It isn't a box that we check in our life and say, I've got wisdom. I'm done. I'm just finished. Instead, it is something that we discover, something that comes when we maintain this repeatable pattern in our life, this path to wisdom. It is literally, wisdom is somewhere, and God shows us the path to get there. And it'd be like working out, going to the gym, and as you are working out, you get into shape. And once you get into shape, you stop working out. And you go, I'm done. I I have made it to the physical perfection that I think God had for me. And so I'm going to stop. What happens as soon as you stop that routine? You start moving away from that, don't you? You start moving away from that ideal. And we think often wisdom is just if it's knowledge and behavior, someday I'll be done with it. And that's not what wisdom is. It is something that I discover that I journey to all the time. And in these first four verses, God gives us the pathway to it. And he says the first thing that we should do is what? Listen. Listen. Listen for wisdom. He says, may your ear be attentive to that. We've got to be able to identify wisdom when we hear it. This comes with filling ourselves with truth, which is the truth comes from God. When we know God's truth, we'll be able to know when we hear it from someone else or from some circumstance And we'll also know when we're not hearing the truth of God. How do you begin on that journey of wisdom? Is seek God's truth. Learn to listen to God's truth. And we do this. The key idea is to be in God's word. Be in God's word. Be a learner. Be constantly growing. Knowledge isn't bad, but it isn't everything. Allowing God's word, allowing how God has revealed himself through his word to us will begin to help us listen and know what wisdom is. But it's not enough to listen. What does he say next? He says, incline your heart. He says, observe. Observe. Let me tell you what observing is. Observing is more than just watching. Right? I've been watching the Olympics this week, just like you guys, and 
Like, it's cool. I can tell that guy's probably going to win or this guy, you know. You can observe. You can see certain things. But observing is watching with the intent to learn. It's watching with the intent to learn. It's not just watching for entertainment. It's not just seeing something. It's watching with the intent to learn, to see patterns, to understand actions and responses. It's seeing wisdom playing out in someone's life and learning from it. And the key idea is this, just like we listen, we need to be in God's word. To observe, we need to be discipled. We need to have somebody that's in our life that's pouring into us. It's helping you see discernible patterns that has learned these patterns before. And the best way to observe is to observe somebody's life and observe how, observe how this is playing out in their life. Again, you have somebody that is good at something that you want to do. You, you try to learn from them. You try to come under them. But again, it's not just mimicking their behavior. You're observing their life and seeing the patterns that play out. And that's what discipleship is. Discipleship. A lot of people, if you've been in church long, you hear that word a lot. Can I tell you, let me just debunk a couple of things right here. Discipleship is not Bible study, all right? Can it be part of it? Certainly. Discipleship is not just prayer. Can that be part of it? Certainly. Discipleship is not just accountability. Can that be part of it? Yes. Discipleship is intertwining your life with the life of somebody else so that they can see into you and you can see into them. And by doing so, you begin to see the patterns of their life. How do they treat their wife? How do they treat their kids? How do they approach their job? How do they handle it when crisis comes? How do they handle it when blessing comes? You begin to see these observable patterns. And you begin to learn with intent. So he says to listen. Then he says to observe. And then he says to call out for insight. And that's what I, what I would say is to study. Is to study. This is the idea that we begin to move from just observing with intent to learn, and we actually start learning the concepts and truths and the wisdom behind them, and we begin to put them into practice. We begin to use them ourselves. I I love being discipled by other people. I I love seeing into their life and learning from their lives. I think my nature, I'm a natural researcher. Like, I love to research and figure things out. It's not as easy, though, for me sometimes to take those patterns and put them into practice practice in my life. And that's what study does. And the key idea here, get into God's word, be discipled, but be in service. Be using your gifts. Do something. Practice it. Practice what you're learning. The way that wisdom begins to activate in our life is when we actually start doing the patterns that we are seeing. So put it in the practice. The fourth thing he says to do here is he says, not only that, but he says, Raise your voice. He says, call out for insight. Raise your voice for understanding. And here's the thing. The the word I would say is this, is is ask. Is to begin to ask questions. Now, I'll be honest. Too often, we start with this step, right? We, We see somebody who's doing something good in their life, and we're like, how can I be like you? How can I be like you? That's a very broad question. And if we had broad questions, you know what we're going to get? Broad answers. We're not going to get specific. And you might get, hey, here's a couple of thoughts to think about. But I want you to see this. When we have gone through this idea of listening, observing, and studying, then we know what questions to ask. We know the deeper questions. Instead of just saying, hey, how can I be a better husband? How can I be a better wife? How can I be a better parent? How can I be a better student? How can I be a better worker? I would ask a question like this. 
now that I know that I want to love my wife better and I observe and I understand her love language. And now that I know that now that I've seen you and your wife interact around conflict and now that I've tried to serve my wife with a spirit of sacrificial love, how do I then give her a deep sense of security that she longs for in me? That's a deeper question than just how am I can be a better husband. I've learned, I've studied, I've watched somebody else, and now I see that in your relationship there is incredible security. I want that. And so asking, we've got to learn to ask the right questions. And the way we get to the right questions is by observing, studying, listening. And then the key idea with this, and this is the hard part, is as we're being discipled, as we're serving, we've got to be transparent. We've got to be transparent. Because asking tough questions sometimes reveals areas of weakness in your life. If I'm asking how to do this with my wife or how to do this with my kids or how to do this with my job, you know what I'm inadvertently saying to you? I'm not good at this. I fall short in this area. And so we've got to have the ability to be transparent. The last thing that he says here that we need to do in this process of of discovering this pathway to wisdom is once you do all this, he says, seek for it, search for it like silver. He says, do this over and over, repeat it. Repeat this process. This isn't something once you've gone through it once, you're done. Right? Lather, rinse, repeat. Lather, rinse, repeat. It's, it's, what, it's just part of our life. It's a cycle of our life. And that's what he's saying here. You want wisdom to activate in your life? Learn that it is a cycle. It's not just a pathway. It's not just a journey. It's not a destination. It is a cycle that once it becomes activated in your life, it starts to generate that. I don't know if you remember the movie Indiana Jones and the Holy Grail. But like when they finally, Indiana Jones finally found the Holy Grail, there was one limitation on it, right? He couldn't leave with it. There was one place that it worked and he had to use it there. And, and he, you know, it was either stay with it or, or go on and live. And that's the way wisdom is. Wisdom isn't something I go and get once and I leave with it. And now it's with me the, my whole life. There's a constant cycle, a constant working in my life. And the key idea with this is that we've got to be maturing. Never fool yourself and think that we are mature. We are always to be maturing. You know what the word mature means? It means that you're done growing. No more growth is available. When we have physically matured, what do we start doing? We start dying. Our body literally goes to a point and then it starts going back the opposite way. I feel like I'm on the other side of that, right? I mean, it's like I'm, I'm not growing anymore. I'm now on the declining side of it. But spiritually, that doesn't have to happen. There's not a point where I'm done spiritually. I continue to learn, and that's what wisdom is. So be maturing. Be constantly letting the cycle play out in your life. But what I love about God is he said, you don't just have to discover it and like find it. But when you find it, you can actually use it and obtain wisdom. And that's what I want us to look in these next verses, verses 5 through 7, where he says, talking about obtain If you do these things, then he says then, then you will understand the fear of the Lord and find the knowledge of God. For the Lord gives wisdom. From his mouth comes knowledge and understanding. He stores up sound wisdom for the upright. So let's say we're walking this path, this journey, this cycle daily. 
What do we do when we get there? How do we actually obtain this wisdom? Wisdom, again, isn't just something to be observed. It's to be experienced. And I love it that he says he's literally storing it up for us. It's there for us if we get this cycle going in our life. So just like there's a simple pathway, a simple cycle to get wisdom going in our life, there's also, to me, he lays out here an equation for obtaining wisdom, for letting it begin to flow through you. And look at verse 5. He says, then you'll understand the fear of the Lord. And so the, the first part of the equation is this, is that we need to learn to respect God. Respect God. The idea of fear here is not that we should be fearful to approach God. It actually means that we hold God in awe. That we see him and we realize this. The key idea that you come away with this is there is a God. When I begin to respect God, I acknowledge God. I can't find the truth of God if I'm not acknowledging there is a God. A God who created me. A God who knows who's bigger than me. Something that is bigger and outside of myself. And we struggle with that, don't we? We like to be our own gods. We like to be the gods of our own universe. We like to be the central point of the story. But respecting God is the key to wisdom. It says that the fear of God is the beginning of all wisdom. As we begin to fear and respect God and we understand he's bigger than me, he's bigger than anything, that's the beginning of of wisdom activating in your life. But it's not just respect. It's then, as in verse 5, it says, then we will find the knowledge of God. And that's, we need to add to it, submitting to God. It's respecting God, but then it's also submitting to God. Submitting to him means that we trust him because we believe that he is not just a authority, he is the authority. And there's a difference, isn't there? There's a di- you have many authorities in your life, a boss, a government, all kinds of different things. It's not just acknowledging that God is one of the authorities, many authorities in your life. He is the only and ultimate authority. And so this comes to this realization of I respect God. I'm saying there is a God. When I submit to God, here's what I'm saying. There's a God and I'm not him. And you're not him. Nobody else is him. There is only one God. And as I submit to that, it becomes this equation of respect for God, submitting to God equals me being able to receive the wisdom from God. That's how wisdom plays out in our life. It's a simple equation. Wisdom, I can, I can journey to it. I can get this cycle going. But if I'm not respecting God and submitting to him, it's not going to play out in my life. I'm going to know it and understand it, but I'm still going to make my own decisions. It's why we know what to do and we still do the opposite. It's because we are not respecting and submitting. And what I love about this is, this amazing fact that God is not holding back on us. He's not keeping something from us. He's like, these two things and all of it is yours. I'm literally storing it up for you. It will never run out. My wisdom will never run out. And the key idea that we understand that there is a God, I am not him, but the God that we serve is a good and gracious God full of wisdom. That's an amazing truth. That I'm not God, you're not God, but the God that we do serve is a good and gracious God full of wisdom. So what happens when this plays out in our life? We'll quickly close with these two thoughts and these two ideas. Let's say we follow, get this cycle going in our life. 
we're listening, we're asking, we're submitting, we're, we're respecting God, submitting him. We've got this cycle, we're working this equation. What actually, when wisdom is activated in your life, what happens? In verses, end of verse 7 and verse 8, it says this. It says then, he is a shield to those who walk in integrity, guarding the paths of justice and watching over the way of the saints. Wisdom isn't just the ability to make right choice, choices. It is the righteousness of God flowing in our life. And the first thing wisdom does is it guards our lives. It says he's literally a shield for our life. It guards our life. That word shield there, when you look back at the original uh, Hebrew word, it's the word that they would use to describe an alligator's hide. Impenetrable. I mean, in those days, they knew nothing that could penetrate that hide. And that's, that shield literally means something that is impenetrable in your life. And how does he do this? How does pursuing wisdom, submitting and, to God and respecting God, first it does this. It says when it's a shield, it gives us a clean character. Wisdom is a shield for those who walk in integrity because it keeps our character clean. Right actions mean nothing if your character isn't clean and pure. It comes from a heart of purity. We can, we can do all the behavior modification, but we'll only do it for a while unless it lines up with our character. And so it's understanding at the, as I submit, as I respect God, I'm doing it out of a clean character. But then it, but it also it clears our motives. It gives us clear motives to work out of. It says that it will guard our path. Wisdom keeps our motives clear. It guards us from selfishness, behaviors that make us get what we want instead of what is right. It keeps us from just being knowledgeable people. And gives us motives to work out of. And this is what I love that it leads us to. It eventually leads us to a compelling legacy. Something that we get to leave behind. We get to leave behind a life. We live a life where a legacy, it's, it goes beyond us. And I'm not talking about just when you die. I'm not talking about just when you have passed on and people talk about you and remember things about you. You have a legacy today. You're leaving a legacy every moment that you live on this earth, and are you leaving a compelling legacy, something that would people would then look at you and say, would you teach me? Would you disciple me? Would you pour in to me as we are doing this and God is guarding our lives? But what wisdom also does as we look at verses 9 through 11, it doesn't just guard our lives, but wisdom guides our lives as well. Look at where it says 9 through 11. It says, then you will understand righteousness and justice inequality, and every good path. For wisdom will come into your heart, and knowledge will be pleasant to your soul. Discretion will watch over you, and understanding will guard you. So just as much as it guards us, it will guide us. And here's what I want to close with, what wisdom does for us. And this is, I think, how we live it out daily, and how you'll see wisdom becoming activated in your life. The first thing that wisdom does, it says, is you'll begin to understand, it will give you deep insight. Wisdom will give you deep insight. It doesn't just give you knowledge. It gives you insight. You'll see how righteousness, justice, and equality should play out in our lives and in the world. We begin to see things, how things work. We start seeing kind of behind the scenes. We understand the workings of our culture, of our hearts. And we see the unshakable truths of God at work. We get deep insight. Wisdom brings deep in. You want to understand your heart better? You want to understand your wife's heart better? Your children's heart? Whatever it is, seek wisdom and you will gain insight. 
But the second thing you'll get is not just insight, you'll get discernment. You'll get discernment. And wisdom gives us the ability to know not just right from wrong, but to know the when, the why, and the what of right choices. You know, it, it's going to tell me, how do I speak truth and love? How do I not just speak truth? Sometimes I can speak truth and it be hurtful and harmful. But God commands us to speak truth and love. So how do I do that? He'll give me discernment. When should I speak? When should I not speak? Again, knowledge is just knowing. So if I'm speaking on a knowledgeable topic, I'm just going to talk with no regard. But wisdom helps us give us discernment and understanding. And the third thing it does is it gives us the right definitive response. Wisdom gives us direction no matter the circumstance. And here's what I mean by this. You ever been in a situation and like 10 minutes afterwards, you're like, man, I wish I would have done this instead. I wish I would have said this instead. And you got, I mean, you're, you're like, I got this, you've had this 10 minutes to think about it. And we operate then, because then we're just operating out of knowledge and behavior. And we're thinking through what would have been better. But when wisdom is active in our life, it's cycling in our life. We're submitting to God. We're respecting him. When those moments of crisis come, discernment and insight will naturally lead to the right response. We'll respond correctly. Does it mean we're going to be perfect? No. Does it mean we're always going to say the right thing? No. Will our words still hurt sometimes? Yes. But as wisdom is growing in your life, you will have the ability to allow the truth of God to flow out of you like never before. And instead of circumstances influencing you, you will begin to influence influence circumstances through your response. And that's where you know wisdom is playing in your life. Circumstances aren't defining you and determining your direction. You're able to walk into any circumstance. And because of the wisdom of God, you're allowed to direct and handle and walk through circumstances and bring light, joy, hope, and peace through those circumstances. So my question for you today is this. You just want a better outcome in your life, or do you really want wisdom? The outcome's very different than wisdom. And we usually spend our life searching for better outcomes. And my challenge to you today is this. Seek wisdom. Where is this process short-circuiting in your life? Are you not walking through that cycle? Do you just think it's behavior and knowledge? Are you not submitting to God? Are you not respecting God and allowing that equation to literally set up the guardrails and the guidelines in your life? Would you seek wisdom instead of outcomes? Let's pray together.